Amen. If you're going to children's church. You are dismissed. Amen. And for the rest of us, if you have your Bible, if you would turn, please, to Psalm 105. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you here. We welcome you and glad you came to worship the Lord with us today. We've been in a series of sermons from the life of Joseph, principles and lessons from the life of this Old Testament man of God. And we're going to finish it today or maybe tonight, but this this will be the the, the day we we finish Joseph's series. And um, we're talking about a message we're calling behind the scenes, behind the scenes. And again, it's from the life of Joseph. And if you would, Psalm 105. Starting with verse 16. Moreover, God called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provisions of bread. There was a famine. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters or shackles. He was laid in irons. His neck was put in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Verse 20, the king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of his possessions. To bind the princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders his wisdom. The hand behind the scenes. Again, we want to complete this series. And if you've been with us, it's been about a half a dozen messages from the life of Joseph gleaning principles and lessons and insights that we need to apply to our walk of faith today. Now, Psalm 105 is an account of God's faithfulness. It's an account of God's wonders and His mighty acts on behalf of His people. And it calls us as His people to praise God for His marvelous works that He has performed in our lives. And the focus of these few verses, of course, is on the life of Joseph. Verse 17 tells us that God sent Joseph and how God was working Behind the scenes, preparing his man and placing his servant right where he needed to be because God knew what was coming. And again, we studied the Genesis account earlier and we saw the things that happened to Joseph. But now we're looking at Psalms and it's giving us a behind the scenes picture of actually what was going on that maybe Joseph didn't see and certainly men could not see. You see, the Lord knows what's coming. He knows the opposition and he also knows the opportunity. And He knows how to prepare us as He's preparing things for us as we walk with Him. We mentioned last week about the ways of God. It's interesting, in the book of Genesis, it tells us His brothers sold Him into slavery. But Psalm says God sent Him ahead of a famine to save the lives of His people and many, many more. And when we think of the hand of God, that unseen hand, that works behind the scenes in the lives of those that love Him, it should bring a great sense of confidence and comfort to our hearts. The truth is that as you and I walk with God, He will be faithful to go before us as He walks with us. And as we strive, like Joseph did, to to, to live consistent in our character and consistent in our conduct, regardless of the path we're forced to take. Because how many know this morning, we don't always get to choose the path life takes us down. But we can choose how we'll respond to it. And we can choose how we will act as we go through it. And that's what we learned so much from the life of Joseph. How Joseph trusted and honored the Lord. Whether he was on the mountaintop or down in the valley. When he went through things he couldn't understand. When he went through things that others would have said, just give up on God. Joseph continued to be faithful. Joseph continued to live purely. And we learned this lesson from our lives. The Bible tells us as Christians, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus was shed that you and I might be forgiven. That you and I might have a personal relationship with the living God. And we're no longer our own, but when we understand that, and we understand that the God we serve, that behind the scenes, the hand of the Almighty God is going before us and taking good care of us. It gives us a comfort and a confidence that we know. Whatever life throws at us, we don't face it alone. Whatever we have to endure, it's not in our own strength. Whatever we have to navigate through, it's not us that really are the pilots. It's the Lord that pilots the ship of our lives. Now last time we looked at verse 17 and we took number one. God knows ahead of time what you and I don't need to know. 
It says in verse 17, God sent a man before them. Joseph, God saw years and years down the road what was coming and what was needed. He sent the man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. So last week we said, number one, God knows ahead of time what you and I don't need to know. He knows about your tomorrows. God knew what was coming and he knew what needed to be done. In Joseph's life, like in our life, we can praise God because there is an unseen hand that is guiding us and caring for us. And it's the call of God to you and I this morning is just trust me. Stay faithful and committed to me. And know that I'm working even when you can't hear me. Know that I am unfolding my plan even when you can't see me. For you don't have to understand him to trust him. Can you say amen? You don't have to be able to perceive why he does what he does just to lean on him and give yourself faithfully to him. So number one, we learned from last time that God knows ahead of time what we don't need to know. What do we need to know? We need to know God. We need to know this great God, this loving God, and have a confidence in him and a commitment to him. Then verse 18, number two, we said that God knows what you can handle so you don't have to be afraid. Verse 18 says that they hurt his feet with shackles, irons. He was laid in iron. His neck was put in irons. God knows what you and I can handle so we don't have to be afraid of whatever we go through or whatever we have to face. You see, the Bible teaches that God is in control both of the duration and the intensity of my trial. And that means you're going to make it. If you're a child of God, I declare to you this morning, you're going to make it because you do not walk alone. And I want you to know God, God knows what He put in you. I like that. God knows what He put in you. God knows what you're made of. The Bible tells us that greater is He that's within us than He that's in the world. God knows He put the Spirit of His only Son within you to give you the strength you need to walk this life and to be triumphant in life. And Joseph went through much. Here's our point. Joseph went through much, but he didn't have a meltdown. He didn't turn from God and shake his fist and renounce his faith. Instead, the things that hell used to try to defeat him actually developed him and made him stronger and readied him for the call that God had placed in his life. The Bible says iron came into his soul. He went through it all and got stronger because he kept trusting God and looking to God. And in the same way, you and I, we must believe that whatever path we have to take, we can handle it and we will pass through it because God knows what He put in you. I want you to know you're going to make it. I want you to know God has put His own Spirit within you and God has promised to walk with you. Fear not. God says, I know what I put in you and you're going to make it. You can handle it. You can trust in the Lord. See, God knows. God knows. What did He put in us? The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in the believer. And that's an enabling Spirit. That's an enduring Spirit. That's a Spirit that can keep singing when the times are hard. That can praise Him through the pain. That even though teary eyes might come, our confidence doesn't waver. Because we know in whom we have believed in. And we know this God is a faithful God. Can you say amen? We learned that. We learned that. Now, last week we stopped at verse 19a. This is where we stopped. Number three, God knows how long you need to be where you are. Now, that's the patience test, and that's a tough one. Can you say amen? Uh, And I know I'm not alone. Can you say amen? I'll remind you next time someone has a hissy fit. I'll remind you. You you don't like that patience test. How many times? How long, Lord? How long? How much longer, God? Mm, Look at verse 19a. Until the time. Until the time that his word came to pass. Mm. God knows how long you need to be where you are. There is a timing and there is a working. There is a purpose and there is a process in the dealings of God. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I can't ever say I've baked a cookie, a turkey, made a turkey. I've eaten a lot of turkeys, as you can tell, but I've never baked one. But I know that there are turkeys out there that come with their own little pop-up deal. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? And until it pops up, can't eat. All right? It don't matter if the game started, the game's not started. If it don't pop up, you look, it looks good. Oh, smells real good, but on the inside, hang on, on the inside, some things are still a little raw. We look like we have it all together. 
God said, hadn't popped yet. But I still look in the inside. And there are some things that haven't thawed yet in your life. There are some things that are still a bit raw. And God says, deeper! Put that in the oven a little longer! And if you stay in that oven, you can overcome that thing and get victory in that air. Come on, say amen. amen. This is a time the patient is not an easy thing. The patience test. Oh, no. But it brings a thoroughness and a depth and a maturity to our faith. If, somebody say if. If we are trained by, and this is what I want you to get. You don't get anything else. You better get this. Hebrews 12 and 11. Hebrews 12 and 11. I want you to see this. Very important. To those who have been trained by the patience test. Uncomfortable, challenging. Mm. You're like me, I don't like to wait. You know what I mean? The popcorn popper don't pop fast enough. Alright? Alright? Never met a drive through that's quick enough. I mean, just, you just have, you know, but we're impatient by nature. And God says, we like things, you'll get in the line, hit me on the head, and I'm, I'm changed. And it don't work that way. It takes a time and a dealing and a process to allow the Lord to really work deep in areas that need to be developed, areas that need to be um, conquered. And now this is a beautiful group of scriptures in Hebrews 12 about how God deals with His children and the benefits of God's dealings with us and disciplines of us. I just gleaned this one verse for our, for our context. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. We all said amen. Amen. You know, I want to be disciplined. Even if I know I was wrong and I know Dad was right, don't want to be disciplined. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. That's right. Being painful. But later on, somebody say later on. Later on, however, it produces. Discipline produces a harvest. Discipline. That's why we lose a lot of harvest when we're always running away from discipline. We, 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 we forfeit a lot of blessings and a lot of maturity and growth when we reject disciplines and dealings from a loving hand of a gracious Heavenly Father. No discipline seems pleasant but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. But listen, here's the qualifier. Here's the qualifier. For those who have not gone through it but been trained by it. Can you say amen? You can go through things 20 times and not learn a thing from it. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Many, it's not just going through it. Some people go through things and get worse. Some people go through trials and instead of being broken, they get more stubborn. Some people go through things and instead of really trying to learn the lesson God's trying to get through to them, they just, no, 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 I'm not going to listen, you know. And you see that same cycle for years and years. But for those that will be trained by it, for those that will have a teachable spirit as they go through it, to those that will say, Lord, this might not have been from you, it might have been from hell, but Lord, I want to learn something from this and I want to grow as I go through this. And I want to be trained by this. See, God might not have been the author of it. Sometimes God is, and sometimes God allows, but we need to be developed. Other times it's just life hitting us, but God says, even in that, I can use that. A lot of the things Joseph went through came from hell. Your brother's selling you into slavery. That's not really motivated by the Lord, yet God still used it and sent him through that. God can use the wickedness of man to um, expand his kingdom and extend his thought in the earth. But the point here is, as you and I are going through things, we have a decision to make. Will I learn from it? Will I grow from it? Or will I just kind of huff and puff and grip my teeth and, 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 until I finally it ends? I don't learn from that, though. I don't grow from that, though. And the whole thing is wasted in, in the ultimate um, scenario. So, for those that have been taken, Lord, when I go through something, help me, Lord, to learn the lesson and to receive the ministry you intended for this to have in me. Help me to learn the lesson, but help me to receive the ministry you intended for this to have in me. We want to go deeper in God, and we get so out of touch with the ways of God. I want to grow deeper and be like Jesus, so God brings someone across your life to get jealous of you. Be ugly to you. And you're going to whine to God, why me? I thought you loved me. I thought you liked me better than everyone else. God says, I heard you praying. You wanted to grow in me. So God says, I'm going to bring some things across your life. You're going to learn how to love like I love. But God says, I love people that can't stand me. Jesus is going to say, I, I, I love people that put me on a cross. I love people that I shed blood for. And they, 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 they crucify me again if I let them. 
And so God says, I will bring you through some things. And those things can be wasted on you, or those things can be beneficial to you, depending on how you respond. Because the Bible teaches us, if we allow them to train us, if we're teachable and receptive as we're going through them, they will produce a harvest of righteousness, of right living, of transformation in our hearts later on. We might not get them right now, but later on, that thing will work something ultimately that improves us and ultimately that betters us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Talking about Joseph here. It's the patience test. Did Joseph God seem like he was tardy, like he was running late, like he was overdue? To Joseph, it was as if God had lost track of where he was. But it was just merely the patience test for Joseph. And you and I that study this and can look back and understand it in its context, we know that through it, God had not forgotten him, nor was God out of control. The whole time God is telling us, I am always in control of your life, and you are never forgotten from my eyes. The Bible says his eyes are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to our prayer. And God says, I haven't forgotten you. But it's a timing issue. I'm working something in you. I desire to do something in you so I can later on do something through you. And this is part of the process of preparing you. God seems to be taking His time. Have you ever been there? Of course you have. Joseph is patient. And his patience is being tried. And his spirit is being perfected. For God is working in him as God is working in his situation. Oftentimes as we pray, Lord, deal with that. Change that. Fix that. And God says, listen, I'm at work out there. But really, I want to be at work in here. It is wise to submit to the timetable of God. One wonderful pastor uh, from, from up north. He's with the Lord now. Brother Rezzo used to say, there is peace in acceptance. There is peace and acceptance. And when we accept God's timetable and have a teachable spirit when we go through His processes, instead of fighting them, we'll reap from that. We'll grow from that. We'll have a lot more grace to go through that. Can you say amen? Again, it's not always easy to be on hold. Nobody likes to be on hold. You're in flight, takeoff, or landing. On hold, on hold. I mean, you know, you got to wait. It takes you an hour to get to the plane, then you're going to sit there for an hour on hold. Then you finally get there, your destination, and that holding pattern, holding pattern. You can see where you want to land. Come on, right there, just push me out. I've been waiting. On hold. On the phone, you're on hold. Wait, 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 we're going to transfer you. Oops, messed up. I got hung up on. Finally get through, and there's someone who can't understand what they're saying. On hold, on hold. The trial of being on hold. God, give us grace when we're on hold. It's not always easy to be on hold. It's not always easy to endure the potter's wheel or the forging of the vessel. But it's beneficial. And we know that God is working something precious in our lives through it. And God knows how to fulfill His Word in us. And that's what we need. Spurgeon said one time, um, the great Baptist preacher of the 1800s, God has His times and His children must wait Till his until is fulfilled. We've got to wait until his is fulfilled. Joseph was tried in a furnace until, until, until God has accomplished what he wanted to accomplish in me. Until God has accomplished what he wants to do through me. I'm in that place of that holding pattern until and God's working in me. But while he waited, the word of the Lord tested him and the word of the Lord purified him. And the Lord of the Word refined him. Now, he believed the promise. He believed the dream the first time God gave him that dream. But his faith was still tested. His faith was still tried. His delayed blessing became a great challenge and motivation for his faith. A delayed blessing can test us. When God speaks to us and we wish it would happen so quickly and there's the waiting process and sometimes there's the disappointment process in our lives, a delayed blessing often tests us and ultimately it will prove us whether our faith is real or not. Whether our faith is a kind that can endure the fire. You see, in the things of God, there is a trying word and then there is a delivering word. There is a trying word and God will give you a promise. 
But it might be a long time coming. It might include going through many paces in order to receive it. There's a trying word that often gets aborted because people don't want to be tried. There's a trying word that has to hold on until the finally the delivering word comes and the thing blossoms into fulfillment. We must bear with one until the other comes to pass. Number three, God knows how long I need to be where I'm at. God knows how long because He's trying to do something through and in my life. Patience is doing its work in me. But I must cooperate with patience to achieve the full benefits and measure thereof. God knows what's coming, and God knows what He's ordained for His people. Patience is very important. Number one, patience is faith's partner in receiving. People talk faith, 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 but that's not ultimately Bible completely. Patience is faith's partner in receiving. Hebrews 6 and verse 14. Hebrews 6 and verse 14. We speak of patience and faith working together. Let's go to verse 12, please. Let's go to verse 12. Hebrews 6 and verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy or slothful. God's saying, I don't want you just to become um, careless, complacent in your walk with God, but imitate, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Faith and patience. Joseph's going through the patience test until that word proved him, until the time was right. And many times you and I, as God's working on us and God's preparing us, we, we don't like so often the things He takes us through to ready us, the things He requires of us in order to make us become what He's called us to be. And the patience test, here we go, we find out patience is something that works with faith to see the blessing come to pass. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Faith and patience work together to see mountains move, to see promises come to pass. Patient endurance cannot be excluded. It's part of the recipe. It's like cooking something. If you leave out something, you're going to know it in the end. But endurance, a strength, the ability, the tenacity of faith, the ability to hold on until, until, until God says it's time. Until God says you've passed the test. Until God says it's time for me to unfold my plan. Some are willing to believe God for a little while. Some are willing to have great faith for a day. Some are willing to have great faith for a week. Some for a year. But all patience has to work with faith. To see mountains moved. And to see long-standing promises finally the until come. So patience is a partner with faith to receive. But patience also makes trials productive instead of destructive. The blessings and the workings of patience in our lives. First Peter 1 and 6 and 7. First Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this we greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while we have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Trials come in different shapes and flavors. And, and, and trials are not a buffet that we get to go and choose. I like that. I'm not crazy about that. I'll take ten of them and I'll skip over them. I don't want that jello wobble, 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 wobble. I don't want that. Someone said, did you go to the salad bar? I said, are you crazy? You know where I'm at? I'm going to go to a, eat a salad. Amen. I mean, no, no, forget that thing. They might as well take that outside. I'm going right where the meat is. The meat and the more meat and then some. And, but, but we don't get to do that with life, do we? Come on, say amen. Isn't that right? We don't get the, I don't like that test. Well, God not asking you if you like that test. You don't get the right to curriculum and you don't got to grade the test at the end. God says you're going to walk with me. I'm going to choose the path. Come on. Oh, it's good to have a little feedback here. In this you greatly rejoice. For now, for a little while, we all, this is all of us, we all, we got to suffer grief and different kinds of trouble. We go through stuff. Right? I'll just bring it down and we go through stuff. But, 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 the stuff has come. Inconvenience, uncomfortable challenge. They have come so that my faith, so that your faith and our faith is of greater worth than gold. I mean, you can have all the gold in the world, but if you don't have faith in Jesus, at the end, you're a poor man. Amen? Amen. So your faith, nothing, you know, you can lose a lot of things. Don't lose your faith. You can lose, you know, you can lose your fastball. Don't lose your faith. I mean, you can lose, you can lose that nice car. Don't lose your faith. Our faith greater worth than gold, though perishes. Gold per- refined by fire. 
may be proved genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor. Look at this for a second. There, there is an essence of our faith where patience and the trial work to purify our faith. God is working in me as He works in my situation and He works in my future. Patience has a purifying work. Patience has a purifying work. And the heat of that trial brings to the top that which is inferior, that which is not pure. You know, if you ever go to the heat treat of the plant, you ever go to the heat treat where they've got all the chemicals and they're boiling the metals to get all the impurities out of them. You see, they took the metal in there and it goes and what come, this scum comes to the top and they just scoop up the scum. Pass it on through. And the metal's getting purer and purer. And the fire has a purifying effect on the metal. We see things come to the top. We say, man, didn't know that was there. God said, yeah, I saw it a long time ago. And now that you see it, how about skimming it? If not, it just goes back down. And the thing is, just see what I'm getting at? I want you to keep that thought. If you've ever been in the factory and you saw that, is remember, God, the designer knows what the vessel is supposed to be and what it will be used for. When the designer puts in an order for some metal, well, if this is going to go under water, it's going to be treated a certain way. If this is going to be made to make some cheap $10 shed for the backyard, you can put your elbow through some cheap, it'll be made very inferior way. If this is going to be a beam, not just for a bedroom or not just a bathroom, this is going to be a major beam for a high rise. This beam is going to, I mean, it's going through the fire. It is going to be made a certain way. Because from the beginning to the end, the Almighty knows what the product is intended to fulfill, the purpose it's intended to fulfill. So it knows what it must go through in order to fulfill that purpose. God Almighty knows, Joseph, here you are, you're young, you're a pampered little kid, I'm giving you a great dream, but that dream is going to include some heavy lifting, that dream is going to include some challenging situations, and you're not ready yet. Though the dream is from God, and the dream will come to pass if you'll work with me, you're going to have to go through a process so I can take you from being a 17-year-old good kid to ultimately a strong man of God that can withstand the storm, handle the pressures, and fulfill the calling. But from there to there, there's some trials to go through. There's some fire to go. There's some scum that has to be lifted off. The trials have come so that our faith, and our faith is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined. So next time you're going through something, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, God is saying, I want to refine some things in your life. I want to purify, I want to get some scum out. I want to get some impatience out. I want to get some jealousy out. I want to get some toot out. Some people get toot, got a toot. And we justify it. Well, I'm just, you know, you got a toot. And God says, that's, I, I'm, I'm going to, it's going to come right to the top. Yes. Amen. And only if you're blind, you can't see it. You're blind. Everyone sees it. And God says, the choice, when the scum comes to the surface, you've got a choice. You can confess it. He is faithful and just. If I confess my scum, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my, and cleanse me from all. So it comes up, if I'll confess, say, Lord, forgive me. I thought I had a better handle on the temper. A better handle on, forgive me, Lord. Now I see it's there. Please, Lord. And just, And that trial will leave me better than what it found me. That trial will make me one step closer to being the one that I've been called to be. But if I ignore it, I'm just going to ignore it. Things will change. Life goes on. But you know what? You know where the scum goes, don't you? Back down into the vessel. And I'm still the same. I wasn't taught by it. I wasn't disciplined by it. I wasn't changed by it. So some people can have 30 years of walking with God still haven't overcome some basic things. Because every time it comes to the top, they deny it. Every time it comes to the top, they refuse to be taught by it. We're talking about Joseph. We're talking about men of God. And sometimes we'll read the quick book you buy over Christian TV, five steps to this or that. But we don't really study the Bible and say, how was David made into David? 
how was a man after God's own? How did, he, how, how did God create him? Or what was this Joshua, this Moses, real Joseph? We look at Joseph and we applaud him and we tip our hat to him. He's a godly man. He's an he's a example of a faithful man in a very foreign place that walked upright when things went wrong. He lied about. He was oppressed. He was abused. But he would not renounce the Lord. He would not waver from being a man of God. Oh, what an example. Oh, what an inspiration. But he didn't get that way from accident. He didn't get that way by merely wishing it. I'm going to say it five times and it's going to be all that nonsense. He got that way as he allowed God to take him through tests and trials that sifted him, then strengthened him, that purified him, then empowered him, then instructed him, then, oh, come on, can you say amen? And this is just the process of growing in God. It's a never-ending process. Just when you think you're there, God pulls it back another hundred feet. Never there. Never there. Never there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. That's it. This is the trying word. This is the trying word. This is God. God is trying to tell us. He knows how long we need to be where we are. He's in the patience test. That God is working out that good, deep work. That rich work within us. But patience is alright. Because patience works with faith to bring the reward. Patience can make this trial not destructive, but productive. If I yield and I submit and I learn from it. And ultimately, I want you to know, if you go through things like Joseph did, your patience will be rewarded. Your patience will be rewarded. If you'll go through faithfully, if you'll go through teachably, if you'll allow the Lord to skim when we all need skimming, if you'll learn that and allow that, hey, the patience will be rewarded because the time will come when the Word shall come to pass. I'll give you one more. Uh, Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3. Patience is going to be rewarded. That Word, that promise is coming. It has a time. And we cannot force the time. But it will not be denied when God says the time has come. The prophet said the revelation of the word, the promise, it awaits an appointed time. The prophet's been asking God. The prophet's got some problems and he's asking God about some things. And now he's waiting for God's answer. You ever ask God some things and it seems like, he, you know, he lost your number getting back to you. Amen. It's like, Lord, hey, over here. Hi, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. I'm asking. And here the prophet, the prophet's asking God some questions. He's got some struggles, some things he's seeing in the life that don't make sense. He's seeing some inconsistencies. He's seeing things that aren't working like he thought they ought to work. And so he's going to draw near to God and say, God, I want you to show me some things. And God waits. Then God speaks the revelation. The Word, it awaits an appointed time. God says there's a time in my dealings with men. But the Word I gave you speaks of an end, and it will not prove false. God's words come to pass. And though it lingers, <laughs> that's where most of us are right now, in the lingering phase, amen? The Word is lingering, amen? It came to us, we shouted over it, but we're still waiting for it to... The Word's lingering, and sometimes we laboring, and... Though it linger, you God says you wait for that word. And you wait faithfully and you wait properly. And you wait in faith and you wait with expectation. But as God says, it will certainly come. It will certainly come. The word will. Now it has a timing. And I cannot, I can't affect that at timing. Amen? That turkey thing got a pop. Amen? If I try to eat it and it hadn't popped yet, it's on me. Isn't that right? You know what I mean? You get salmonella or whatever you get from that. I mean, that thing's still raw, man. That thing you can't, you know, that turkey got to get cooked. All right? Enough half-baked Christians out there. Man, that thing got to get cooked. Now, until then, stick with the antipasto and watch the pregame show. Amen. Um, the, and God says, my word will not prove false. If it was God's word, if it's God's word, it won't prove false. It, though it linger. Now God says, here, there, God says, I'm going to be honest with you, friends. My word might linger. What do you do when God's word lingers for you? But God says, I want you to know if you'll wait for it, it will, it will, it will certainly come and it will not delay. When God says, my time has arrived, there's no devil in hell or Durant that can hinder the word of the Lord from coming to pass in your life. Amen?
All right, let's keep marching on. Let's keep marching on here. Now, now that verse 19a is going to, it tags on to verse 19b. So walk with me through this. Um, number four, number four, 19b. 19b tells us here. All right. We said, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested until the during, the lingering, the word tested him. It proved him true. It refined him, one translation would say. And that brings us to this point. Remember that God knows. God knows that what's going on in me is more important than what's going on to me. God knows that my inward character is more important than my outward comfort. God knows what's going on in me. More important than what's going on to me. Job 23 and verse 10. This is an old familiar verse. Job 23 and verse 10. But he knows the way that I take. Job, Job trying to get an audience with God. and He says, I can't find him. I go here and he won't. I can't get him. I yell over here. I try this prayer. I try that song. I can't get God. I, does God know where? Oh, no, no, no. He knows where I am. I can't seem to get a hold of God. Job says, I'm going through things and I need some understanding. I'm going through things and I don't think I did anything wrong, but after a while, you don't know, you know, you don't know up from down after a while in some trials. And God, but Job says, but God knows the way that I take. This one thing he did know. But he knows the way I take. Man might misjudge it. Man might misinterpret it. I might misinterpret it. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, because everything's a test, I will come forth as pure as gold. I will come forth as pure as gold. Job knew what was happening inside was more important than what was happening outside. And so often, again, when we pray, we all do, Lord, deal with this. Speak to that one. Change that one. And God's saying, no, that's nice, but how about what's going on in here? I'd like to work in there. You see, what's happening in me is more important than what's happening to me. And there's a value in, in the climb. There's a value in the benefit, in the struggle. One man said, uh, the man who smiles when things go wrong is the man that just checked out. <laughs> He's going off shift to someone else's problem. You know, there's some problems that life gives us we can't just check out and give to someone else. We've got to go through them and God uses them to work in us, to work in us, to work in us. Again, the Lord is working in Joseph's life. He's building faith and character. He's teaching him how to stay disciplined. When things get uncomfortable or things are unexpected. And um, because, ultimately, God had something for Joseph to do. He had a purpose in his life. And he was preparing him for that purpose. He knew that Joseph had a future and a calling. And it required and demanded a certain level of maturity and training. And again, for our lives, God knows the future, what the opposition is, what the opportunities are. And He's working in me now for what He's got for me later. And if I'm going to fulfill that, I have to allow His work to be done here. I'll never forget, um, in Tony Dungy's, Coach Dungy's biography, he wrote about a training technique he learned from one of his mentors, Denny Green. Denny Green, I think he's the Lord now, but he used to coach the Vikings. And it was something called artificial adversity. Artificial adversity. And it was for teaching the men concentration and focus. And after a while, you see, the team looks good. Everyone looks good when it's practice. Amen? Everyone looks good when it's practice. Remember the old Mike Tyson saying, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. All right, so everybody just, you know, so everybody can look good in practice. We look sharp. Look sharp until reality hits. And so Denny Green, artificial adversity. He would purposely do something to mess up the schedule, see how the guys would respond. He said, oh, they're looking real good when no one's covering them. They're looking real good under perfect conditions. But now I want to see how that player responds when things don't go the way he expected. Now I want to see how they respond when something unexpected hits them, because that's the real measure of where they're at. And so when Coach Dungy finally got his first coaching job here in Tampa, he saw the first preseason. Our guys are looking good. He said, I think it's time for some artificial adversity. 
And so normally in a preseason game, they would go to Jacksonville every year. They play every year in preseason. And he said, well, normally the pro teams will go up the night before, put the four-star hotel, get up next morning, go to a nice breakfast, go out to the game. He said, so I said to my, uh, my right-hand man, um, we, we want to go, we're going to leave tomorrow, we're going to take a bus, we're not going to fly up, we'll take a bus, and we'll leave at 5 o'clock. I mean, 5 o'clock um, 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 this evening, so we get up there for good. No, no, it's 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. That means um, wake-up call is going to be at 4 in the morning. Now, now um, it didn't bother, it didn't bother the, the, you know, the head coach, because he gets up that early anyhow, but all the players weren't happy. They weren't happy. Wake up. We're staying here. And we're going to get up at 4. And they went up, and, and, and they played the, the first half. The first half, they looked terrible, lethargic. They're walking. They're just walking, sleepwalking. And Coach Dungey came at halftime and said, guys, I need to let you know something. I, I did this. I did this. It's not that the owners were cheap, because back then the owners were, were always talking about being real cheap down here. Not the, well, not the owner's decision to save money. It was my decision to see what was in you. Because, guys, listen, you guys lost focus. You lost concentration. You're grumbling because of a little sleep deprivation. But you know, as we go through this season, things will come into our lives that were unexpected, unwanted, and if we allow them to get us off our game, we've got to learn how to stay focused and to keep our concentration and to stay strong in character, even when things we didn't expect, our schedule gets changed, something. Can you keep the focus and keep the discipline? And keep functioning at that high level, even when everything isn't going perfect. He says, they got the point. And for the rest of my tenure in Tampa, when something would go off, you'd hear Warren Sapp or one of the leaders say, Come on, guys, strap on your helmets. It's time for another five in the morning bus ride. And they'd go off. And... <laughs> but they learned. And God brings things into our life like that. What's it take to get you off your game? What's it get you to revert back to the old? And those are things that test us. They expose us. They can expose us at the same time. They can strengthen us. They can strengthen us. So we see here that God tests. Herm Edwards, that was the assistant. Herman, good old Herm. God tests and develops and deepens our character because He has more for us to do. He has a plan and a purpose that requires us to be a certain place in life. So what we may think is something that is uncomfortable, a waste of time, painful, difficult, in reality, is making us into that vessel of honor, fit for the Master's use. It's like the caterpillar that has to go through the struggle to become a beautiful butterfly. It's like the metamorphosis, the cocoon. There's a transformation and there's a beauty that's released, but it's only released if they struggle They've got to go through something to become something. And Wiersbe writes, God sent a man before them. But Joseph was only somewhat pampered 17-year-old boy when his brothers sold him. And God gave him two dreams to sustain him. But dreams without discipline often become nightmares. So the Lord sent one discipline after another. To form him and to strengthen him and to polish him and to prepare him. Because God knows what he called us to. And therefore, he knows what we need to be. God knows. God knows. We're going to finish this tonight. We'll make a teaching out of it. But let's wound this up like this. God knows, number one. God knows. We're learning from the life of Joseph. And now listen, friend. I think the life of Joseph and the life of Daniel are two of the most important lives, especially for, for just a typical Christian to learn. Because both these men lived in a real world, surrounded by ungodly people in a foreign land, yet they function at a high level, both in their job and in their walk with God. They're great examples and encouragements for all of us. We learn from Joseph, number one, God knows ahead of time what we don't need to know. God goes before us. God's got it covered. You don't got to lose sleep tonight. You just got to trust the Lord. If you've done your part and you've been faithful, walk on, cast the care on Him, 
The Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to it. Number two, you've got to know, we've got to learn from this that God knows what we can handle. God knows what we can handle so we never have to be afraid. God knows what He's put in you. And God will not lead you somewhere that He has not given you the grace to go through. God will not allow anything to come upon you that He will not give you the strength to overcome. That's His promise to you. We learn that no matter how long, God knows how long we need to be where we're at. So I have to believe the weight is not a waste. The weight is not a waste. But the weight is working and patience is performing. Number four, our inward character. God knows that my inward character is more important than my outward comfort. And the word of the Lord is proving me. And once we're ready and God's time has come, then number five, and this is what we'll start tonight. Remember number five, God knows how to unlock doors that no one else can open. Can you see that verse 20? It's awesome. It's awesome. The king, the king, the king. Pharaoh, the king, sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler over all his possessions. Wow. God moves and motivates the the most powerful monarch of that part of the world to bring a stranger out of prison and make him ruler and prime minister over the entire kingdom. Hey, isn't it good to know that God can make a way? God can make a way for you. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how, what your boss says. God can make a way for you. He's able to give a promotion. He's able to grant favor. He's able to break down barriers. He's able to cause mountains to move out of the way. God opens doors. He grants favor and promotion that Joseph could never, ever do with his own wits and his own efforts. The psalmist is saying to you and I, God is in control. Even when it looks like man is in control or things are out of control. Your God is in control. Keep walking with Him. Keep trusting Him. God knows where you are. Even when it seems like you might feel like you're overlooked or forgotten, whatever, on hold. But God is at work in your life. And God is very knowledgeable of what you're going through and the road that you're taking. And His grace is sufficient. Psalmist wants us to know that God is the one that makes things happen for His faithful ones. I want you to believe that. And I want you to expect that. And I want you to live with confidence because of that. Amen? And then the last point was simply this. And again, we're going to teach these, these points tonight. The last point was simply this. After God opens the door, there's more to this. Remember that God knows the wisdom you receive in your hard times will bear fruit down the road in your ministry to others. The last verse says that Joseph was teaching the princes all the things he used, he learned in the university of really, that's hard knocks, man, that university. Wasn't wasted. But when he got to that place, he had a wealth of knowledge he never would have got from a book. And he was able to teach others and lead others. So if I'm teachable going through it, when I get out of it, God will be able to use that. I can help others. I can minister to others. God will use that to actually be an instrument of blessing to others. And we're going to study this tonight. We're going to study this tonight. And we'll go a little deeper in this. We love this. These were the principles of the life of Joseph. And I pray we learn from them and we try to apply them. Behind the scenes, behind the scenes, God was able to make Joseph into the man he wanted him to be and then use him in the way he wanted to use him because Joseph stayed faithful kept serving, kept trusting, regardless of what happened to him. Regardless of the path he was forced to take. We pray God give us the grace to do likewise. May we, Lord, allow you to work in us and work through us as you desire. Now we're going to pray our final prayer and we'll open the altar. If you're here today and you need special prayer, please come and let someone pray with you. If you're here today and you've never received the Lord personally, come, receive Jesus. Receive the Lord. But the thought that came to me as I was closing up this message is simply this. The words of that old preacher. There's peace in acceptance. Because I know I'm talking to a majority of Christians this morning. And so the thought simply is this. When we look at the life of Joseph, when we look at how important it is how we go through the things that God brings us through so we can work in us, there's peace in acceptance. 
If you're kicking and resisting God's will, or you're kicking and resisting life's path, friend, it's going to be in surrender that you're going to find the peace and rest you really want. Restlessness comes because I'm resisting the hand of God working in me. Frustration comes as I'm fighting the timetable of God or the things that God has allowed to polish me and smooth me. So as we sing this last song, let's offer ourselves afresh as that living sacrifice. Say, Lord, we're going to be like Joseph. We know you have a purpose for our lives. You have a purpose for all of our lives that serve you. But Lord, we want to fulfill that purpose. So we know in order to do that, we've got to allow you to work your work in us as you work your work through us. So Lord, please, help me to face trials the right way. Help me to imitate this man of God, Joseph, when things come at me that I didn't see and maybe I wasn't deserving of them. But help me, Lord, to keep the faith and keep the spirit so that you can use me in the valley as well as the mountaintop. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please, as we pray. And again, as we sing this final song, we pray our final prayer. If you need prayer, whatever the case might be, you might need a touch in your body. We'll be more than happy to pray with you. You might just want to come and kneel and say, Lord, help me. I've been bucking. I've been resisting. I've been wrestling. And I need to start surrendering and submitting And say, Lord, teach me, make me, and use me. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the principles and the lessons from the life of Joseph. Help us to imitate this faith. And Father, we thank you that we can be confident that you're in control of our lives and you hold us in the hollow of your hand. That you're in the one that cares for us always. And Lord, we choose to take the high road in life. We choose to remain fully committed and faithful as we serve You, as we lean on Your strength. We pray, O Lord, make us into the vessels You desire us to be and use us in the way and use us in the measure You've ordained us to be used. We'll do our best, Lord, to be your ambassadors, and to be your disciples. Now, Lord, as we open the altar, I pray you touch lives today. There might be people here today that are hurting. Lord, heal the hurting. There might be people here today that are weary. Father, refresh the weary. Comfort and courage hearts that are going through it. And Lord, I pray that you would just breathe a fresh breath of life upon all your people. That they might leave here refreshed and revived, ready to go forward. Be your instruments in the world. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's worship the Lord. And if you need prayer or want to pray, please come and let God touch you.